0: Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 209, air date December 30th, 2017.
1: This is The War Room, at War Room Show on Twitter. Welcome to The War Room. Let's go to Dr. Shiva Ray. He's an expert on many topics. If I had a whole segment, I would go through his bio, but I'd rather just hear from him. Now, he is running for Senate right now, a real Indian against a fake Indian, and I'm sure that you know a lot about that. He's been a regular with us, Shiva4Senate.com. Shiva, dot is tops of your mind today?
0: Hey, Owen, great to be on the show. Well, uh, I think, as you know, I just spoke at a, a distinguished fellows lecture at MIT. It's a very prestigious lecture. I was invited to speak following the free speech rally that took place in Boston. As you know, it was about 40 of us facing – 40,000 people, Uh, David Knight did a great show on it. The interesting thing was after the free speech rally, Owen, I was supposed to speak at one of the most prestigious Republican clubs called the Cape Cod Republican Club in the Harwich Republican Town Committee on September 22nd. And uh, about a week ago, we got a note from them saying, because of the fear of Antifa, they canceled my talk. You just have one of the interesting contexts of this, about four or five months ago, I spoke there uh, to a standing ovation. What's interesting is the Cape Cod Republican Club represents a creme de la creme in some sense of the Republican uh, establishment, you know, extremely wealthy Republicans. What I found so hypocritical is if you think about it, that poor American working people, blacks and whites, went to fight their wars of globalism and imperialism under the uh, concept that they were fighting to defend constitution by the way uh, I think tomorrow or today's constitution day and you know all the wealthy imperialist globalists always support those kinds of war and yet in their own neighborhoods uh when someone like me is coming to speak when I've spoken there before uh, they don't have the spine they're all cowards to continue with the talk and that was supposed to take place on September 22nd so I find it fascinating uh oh and that Um, all of us should stop listening to any of these establishment Republicans and Democrats. You know, when it's July 4th, you know, they love to play God bless America when it's convenient for them. But they have actually no spine in standing up for one of the most important uh, foundations of the uh, Constitution, which is the First Amendment. So that's one of the things that's going on, Owen, but our campaign's picking up really strong. Our message is hitting really hard. Dirty Deal and his cohorts recently were exposed. Uh, one of his main cohorts of uh, being a lobbyist for the Saudi government that just came out in the Boston Herald uh, yesterday, and essentially—wow—they put
1: that in to... the Boston Herald.
0: It came out of the Boston Herald. It was an investigative reporter who broke the story. So now they're trying to do damage control. But essentially, uh, this woman Holly Robichaux works for the Herald, and you know, as you know, there's been a collusion between her and Howie Carr to make sure a deal always gets out there to keep me out, and. Uh, uh, I think this story was going to come out. So the Herald proactively broke it. So they probably wouldn't have egg on their face. But essentially, she was a paid lobbyist for the Saudi government to support a bill which would or to oppose a bill where, you know, 9-11 victims could essentially sue the Saudi government, foreign governments. So, it's yeah, and perhaps.
1: Yeah, perhaps also they think. If they get this story out soon enough, it won't impact the election if they can kind of bury it by the time the election rolls around. But but this is this is nothing new to you. You haven't gotten any help. You you haven't gotten any help from the establishment Republicans, from the GOP in Massachusetts, really from much local media. Pretty much it's just straight grassroots and message for you.
0: Yeah, I mean, our entire campaign uh, is basically focused on a couple of core principles, which I think every American cherishes, which is the founders of this country who were blacksmiths, everyday people. You know, Washington was a surveyor. Uh, You go down the list, inventors, architects, everyday working people. The notion of this country was that we would have a government by the people, for the people, not run by career politicians, and that there would be nothing in between us and our creator so we could, you know, achieve the infinite possibilities of the American dream. What has occurred now, uh, I think Steve Bannon's interview on uh, 60 Minutes was great, where he essentially said it's a political class of all flavors, all different types of swamp creatures who exist essentially for their own self-existence. And our message is hitting so well, Owen. We had you know a, a, an event here at our place. We had hundreds of people show up wanting to help us organize on the ground. So as you said, it's a grassroots campaign. Uh, we don't have PACs set up to support us. We're not part of the establishment, Democrats or Republicans. But one of the key messages that's hitting, that's unifying be it left or right or conservative or Republican, Owen, is a notion of true free speech. Not just free speech, but truthful free speech. Meaning, you don't do fake news. If you write you know, li- a libelous slander stuff, you can get sued. But the ability that, you know, the fact that we stood up on August 19th for the Constitution, I think that's made us heroes in the eyes of many, many people in Massachusetts. The other piece is health and food. You know, we've talked about it on your show, Alex and you talk about it, the fact that clean food, real food, the notion that Monsanto, the military industrial complex thrives on basically creating industry food, destroying our health, which has nothing to do with Obamacare and healthcare. So we're eviscerating this whole concept of single payer, double payer, all this nonsense and getting down to the notion that food and real food and healthy food is what everyone deserves and needs. And we need to go beyond You know, the concept of pesticides in Monsanto, which, you know, Bono of YouTube proposes that we don't have enough food or Bill Gates. All this basically BS narratives. We're essentially smashing that on the ground, Owen. It's very, very exciting.
1: Yeah, they tell us that healthcare is a human right. But without doctors, I'm not sure how that's going to work out. How about real food? How about organic food as a human right? Are we going to try to preserve that? But I want to go back to something you said. And we're almost out of time in this segment. We're going to have Shiva on for another segment. I was literally just thinking this the other day. I made a joke yesterday about running for president. I really don't have any intentions or desires to be in politics, but people are like, oh yeah, I'd love to see you in office. But I'm like, I don't want to run. I'm not a politician, all this stuff. And it and it takes me down this train of thought. What is a politician? Since when is politician a career? Since when is politician even a job? Since when, you, since when is it you can't be in office unless you've already been in office? Since when did we go down this path that's not how this country was designed. That's what you were alluding to. You're supposed to be successful in the private sector, do your stuff with your family, do your own thing. And then you know what? Once this country's given you so much, that's when you give it back. That's when you put it all on the line. We've completely lost that.
0: Yeah, I think you hit it right on the head. The, 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 the notion was this country gives you amazing liberties. You know, as an immigrant, when I came here as a seven year old, my parents left the cast of in India. This, you know, being a senator is not a career. It's an honor to serve this country. You're supposed to learn, develop skills, and contribute those skills. Politicians don't know nothing about software. They know nothing about 3D printing. They know nothing about artificial intelligence. None of them know probably the difference between an inline six and a V8 engine. I mean, these guys know nothing, yet they're getting involved in politics to tell working people, scientists, engineers, you know, uh, people actually create stuff, how the law should be. We need to get rid of every career politician for the future of America. Period. And that
1: is it. And the litmus test will be in 2018. Can we make Congress great again? Shiva for Senate.com. Infowars.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the War Room. We are live weekdays, three to six central at warroom.show, infowars.com slash show. You can find all of our content at warroom.show. On Twitter, you can follow us at War Room Show. We do polls on that. We had a poll yesterday. We'll get an update on that. Let's get back to Dr. Shiva. Now, Dr. Shiva is the official inventor of email. In fact, I know that he just celebrated his anniversary for inventing uh, email, so we congratulate him on that. So he knows a little bit about technology, and I want to get into microchipping people and the iPhone, the new iPhone with him in this segment. Let's start with microchipping people. You know, this is something that I am... Opposed to personally, if someone else wants to go out there and microchip themselves, I suppose they have the right to do that. But this is something that just scares me to death, uh, Dr. Shiva. What are your thoughts on humans being microchipped?
0: Well, here's the thing, Owen. You know, when these new technologies come, um, the first thing we have to understand is most of the uh, people in Congress or senators have no idea the implications of these technologies because they've never uh, worked with them. Uh, they don't know the implications of how it affects many other subsystems. Um, So they are in it uh, based on where their money comes from. Okay, so that's the first thing we got to understand. So the policies that are going to be created, be it microchipping, 3D printing, all the technologies we can talk about, uh, and the policies around that are being designed by people completely ignorant of the implications of this technology. When you talk about email, for example, just as a side note, you know, in 1978, 80, the uh, people in Congress who were ignorant about software thought it was sheet music. They didn't allow software patents until uh, 1994. So a lot of inventors got screwed. So in the same way, people can get really, really abused uh, with these kinds of new technologies, if the people in Congress do not understand the implications of them, and furthermore, they're being advised by people, many who are part of the military-industrial-academic complex, right? They profit from it because it's pay-to-play science, because many of these politicians get their take from, from other academics. So that's the context we got to see when microchipping comes out. You'll see a lot of people saying it's no issues, don't worry about it, it's safe, etc., And I think what we need to do for when new technologies come, there has to be a methodology where we, the people, can participate openly and discuss it. And the politicians, it's not them making discussions based on where the lobbying money and PAC money comes from. But that's the way these kinds of decisions are made. But fundamentally, when you start looking at these technologies, um, we need to know what the full disclosure of it, who is getting the data, you know, how the data is being handled. Now, the problem with a lot of this is just that happened with, for example, when you signed up for quote-unquote free email, if we all remember, when email really became a public utility around 1997, um, everyone thought, oh, it's great, I get free email, but they forgot most of the free email is being controlled by Microsoft, Google, Facebook, you go down the list. And every email that we transact is owned by them. So the issue is most of the microchipping, It's not like a public entity owns it where we can have some say in it. It's actually going to be owned by large private companies who will then lobby with, you know, uh, congressional people to own these technologies. But at a fundamental level, when you start doing these kinds of technologies, you can start putting in what are called open backroom doors so others can come in at their own behest, you know, other manufacturers. So, for example, you know, an example of that kind of backroom doors is with these little cameras. As you know, everyone's buying these security cameras. What a lot of people don't know is there's a port that's enabled when those are sold by these Chinese companies that most of the Chinese manufacturers can come in and essentially watch you on your what you think are your secure cameras are getting. So the real issue is the back doors that will be set up on these microchips and who owns access to those back doors and what are their laws and the legalities if someone does that. You know, in the old postal service system, if I sent you an email, oh, and if someone intervened, there's a 20 year uh, federal prison sentence for someone intervening. We need to start putting in policies that are thinking way ahead to protect the privacy of people.
1: Well, most senators, as you said, will have no clue what you're even talking about with this issue. And the microchipping, to me, is just one step further to having everyone permanently on the grid. This right here, the Imperial probe droid, was a great leap. And they can follow us around and track us. And now with the new phone, look at our emotions, look at our face all day. But we can still put this down. I can still put this down and walk away and and be off the grid. But if I have a, a, a chip in me, that's not the case. Now, you talk about tech companies abusing their consumers. Let's talk about the new facial recognition on iPhone. I think that this all comes back to the same thing. Who's getting this data? What does this mean to have all of our facial data on a cloud, on a server, out there in the grid? Are people even considering this? What do you think about when you think about the new facial recognition technology, which to me is already built into everything. Now they're just announcing it as trendy.
0: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. The facial recognition piece, is sort of dear to me because, you know, when I was a kid growing up, um, oh, and you know, in India, my grandmother is a traditional healer, which I spoke about. You know, in the ancient Indian texts, there's a book or, or a whole art form called Samudrika Lakshanam. In, in Tamil, it means of the art of reading the face. Lakshanam means face in Tamil. But the point is that for thousands of years, people know that you can, you know, the face never lies. You can capture a lot of amazing information from the face. In the old, In the old world, people develop this as an art form. In the new world, um, we have imaging technology, we have feature extraction, clustering methods. Essentially, these are methodologies for doing what's called pattern analysis, or the more commonly used term is artificial intelligence. Um, So the government has been doing this for years. You know, when I was at MIT at the Media Lab, um, some of the leaders were there, but this technology has gotten better and faster and cheaper and on the one hand, just like all technologies, we can use it essentially, let's say, for diagnosing ourselves to understand our health condition like my grandmother would do in that small village. On the other hand, it can be used for uh, understanding behavior of people. Oh, this person will wanna buy this. This person may be interested in this, understanding their weaknesses or their strengths. So you can not only market to them, but take advantage of people. So again, the issue comes down to, as this data is being captured, who has a right to that data? Who has the backdoor access to that data? And what are the laws to protect the individual? That's what it comes down to because the genie's out of the uh, bottle, but do we have the right set of policies? Are we gonna wait 15 years later like they did with the patents and copyrights? And it typically occurs because frankly, the morons in Congress who have, many of them can't solve a differential equation. They don't know what a chemical equation is. Again, I say uh, they don't even know basic physics or basic chemistry or basic mechanics of how a car works. These are the people who have no right at all. They're the ones who are gonna write these policies based on who funds them and who pays them. So that's what the danger is that we have with this notion, but fundamentally facial recognition is very powerful technology. Um, The issue is who has access to that content, who will use it and abuse it, and what are the ways that the individual has rights uh, to to defend themselves against that.
1: And another thing that concerns me is you introduce a scenario with the potential monopoly set up here, like you have with Facebook, with Twitter, with YouTube, with Google essentially, where they basically control everything, they control the content and they have access to everything and no one else can even enter the market to compete with them to introduce a more freer platform or a more constitutional platform or a less biased platform. Dr. Shiva, thank you so much. Just before you go, 20 seconds, my guess is Elizabeth Warren hasn't matched your challenge for a debate or to test the GMO products at your lab.
0: No, she hasn't, uh, you know, uh, wanted to take up any of that. You know, the reality is she's a fake Indian, a fake fighter. That's why I keep saying only a real Indian can defeat the fake Indian. By the way, Owen. All right, that's
1: Dr. Shiva. We got to go. Shiva4Senate.com. This is The War Room. We'll be right back. with.